Again, welcome to Life Church. It's so great to have you with us here today. My name is Noel, and I am the family focused pastor here on staff. And I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I hope it was filled with family and friends and all the food that you could handle. I know for myself, we had a great Thanksgiving. I had my brother and sister and their families come up from Georgia. And so this was my third Thanksgiving that I was responsible for the Thanksgiving meal, so no pressure there. Um, but everything, I am here to tell you everything went really well. I only burnt my arm uh, one time this year, so I am getting better. There was no burnt food, which is always a really good thing and uh, makes me feel like I have been successful. Nobody has died yet, so um, I'm feeling pretty good. I hope your Thanksgiving was as enjoyable as ours was. Um, I hope you guys had a great Black Friday. Uh, or Thursday night or Saturday or, you know, whenever those deals get going. Um, I know in our household, if I'm honest, my husband is the one that loves Black Friday. Uh, we won't need anything. Like this year, we, we didn't need anything, but he was looking through the sale ads and uh, found something that we needed. Like we needed this. It was a, uh, a wireless speaker that connected via Bluetooth. I don't even know what that means, um, but apparently we needed it. So, uh, and it was a really, really good deal. So he goes out and he conquers and he comes back with this wireless speaker that has changed our life. So um, I hope that your Black Friday was just as successful as ours was. Um, but we are starting a brand new series today called Lights. Uh, during this time, you see all the beautiful lights on the houses and on Christmas trees. And uh, this holiday season is absolutely, this Christmas season is absolutely beautiful. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the great light of Christmas. And uh, I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a situation where a little bit of light has gone a long way, where maybe some light has helped illuminate something to you or, or helped you out. I know when Kevin and I got married, we took our honeymoon to Jamaica and um, it was absolutely beautiful. We were so blessed. We had like the oceanfront room. It was a beautiful balcony and it was awesome. And we happened to be there during the uh, Jamaica Independence Day. And so people were like so excited. It was the time that Usain Bolt had um, done all the wonderful things he had done in the Olympics. And so uh, the Jamaican people were so excited. There's a lot of energy. They were really happy. And so on the night of their Independence Day, Kevin and I, we go to bed. And in the middle of the night, 
I get woken up by something rattling on our balcony. And so it kind of startles me and I open my eyes and as I do, I see that this man has shimmied up our balcony, climbed over and has begun to walk across our room. And I'm laying there and all of a sudden, all of these horror stories from honeymoons where only like one person comes back was like flashing it through my mind. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I'm like freaking out. And uh, I'm going through my mind, like how, what can I do? Like the scenarios that are taking place. And uh, I'm thinking, well, there's really no way to subtly wake Kevin up, you know, by whispering, hey, there's somebody in our room, you know, calm down, stay calm. It's okay. We're going to be all right. You know, there's no way to do that. And so I thought, okay, well, that option is gone, and he is just dead asleep. And I have found that that trend has continued now with children, that he's just dead asleep, and it, like, takes a, you know, firm elbow to kind of, um, so anyways, he's asleep, and uh, I'm trying to think through my mind, what are some of the best scenarios that could happen in this situation? And uh, I look around, and I'm like, what, I could throw something at him, and so I'm like, well, there's my curling iron, and there's a lamp, and there's, you know, like, I'm looking around trying to find something to throw because that was a good idea. Um, And so this man, uh, during the process of me, literally frozen thinking, I'm just, I'm frozen right there, just processing what's happening. This man has made it across the room into the light switch there on the wall. And so he goes and he turns on the light. And as soon as he does, our eyes lock with each other. And like, we like, we see each other, you know? And when the light comes on, his face is like a face of sheer terror. I mean, he is just scared to death. And I thought to myself, I know I don't have any makeup on and I know (laughs) that my hair's not done. I know, like, I know what that looks like, but brother, it is not that bad. Like, I mean, he, there was no need for that face that he was making. I mean, like I was, I was like, are you kidding me right now? I mean, but so he flips on the light. You can obviously tell he was at the wrong place and he, it came to him when he turned on the lights and he took off out the door. And as the door shut, of course, that's when Kevin decided to wake up. And so I'm filling, in it, filling him in and everything that had happened. And in that moment, I was really thankful that a little bit of light had turned on and had shed in that situation before I threw the kitchen sink at the poor man who had shimmied up the wrong balcony and God love his heart, he just was confused, right? So um, I felt bad for him. Or maybe you're like me and you're in that toddler phase of life where at our house, Thomas the Train has just become the coolest thing on the planet Earth, okay? Like we have moved on from the soft toys where you match the colors and shapes and we've moved on to Thomas, okay? We love Thomas the Choo Choo Train in our house. And so right now we're in a season where we're teaching our son that it's totally cool to play with toys. Let's get them out, let's play with them. Let's go crazy. But then we have to pick up after ourselves and we have to put everything back in. And by some of your faces, I can tell this is a lesson that I'm going to be teaching for a very, very long time. Um, And so, but we're teaching him how to pick up after himself right now. And so one day when I, we were beginning this lesson, um, I started to walk through this room. It was a dark room. I didn't turn the lights on. I just had to get from point A to point B. And so I take off through the room thinking, okay, I got it. I can navigate this. And so halfway through the room, I step on what has to be the sharpest toy imaginable. Like you, you can't step on the soft teddy bears. Like those, they just don't make their way to the floor. It's the loudest, sharpest toys that you happen to step on in that moment. 
I had stepped on a Thomas the train, and not just like the whole train itself, but like the, the chimney piece of the train. And it was just like, I had to pause. I had a little prayer meeting with Jesus right there. I mean, I had to gather my thoughts, you know, and just like, mm, I love Jesus. And then, you know, kind of move on. Um, but from here on out, I have never gone through a dark room where there was toys or might be toys without a phone that's kind of like navigating the glow of a phone, navigating my way through that room. And so some of you right now, you may be navigating the landmines of toddler toys, and you're using the phone to kind of navigate your way through that. Or maybe there's some people in here today that are navigating something a little bit more serious, the landmines of life. You know, this season, the Christmas season, uh, statistically speaking, this is the season where there's the highest suicide rate, it's the highest depression rate. And I believe that's because that this is the time of year that people are forced to deal with issues that maybe they have, they've pushed aside all year long. You know, issues like family, um, the wonderful dynamic of family, or maybe the lack thereof. People find themselves hurt or lonely or depressed or whatever it may be. Or maybe it's finances and provision, people trying to provide and, and you know, the finances just aren't there and, and, um, and, and with work and, and job layoffs and, and things like that. Sometimes this season we can find ourselves in very hopeless situations. People can um, be without hope during this season, you know. Um, but I believe that the Bible says that Jesus is this great light. And that this, in this great light, we can find great hope. You see, hope defined is a confidence or trust in. It's a desired accompanied by expectation. You see, when I was navigating through the living room with my phone, I had my trust and confidence in this phone that it would see me through the landmines that I had to get around with these toddler toys. And when we put our trust and our confidence in this great light of Jesus, we have this hope that anchors us. You see, I believe that Jesus didn't die on a cross so that we could be hopeless, but he died on a cross so that we could be hopeful. That it wasn't just one moment that we had the salvation experience and then we were on our own, but he died on a cross so that our life could be lived full of hope in every situation, in any of the dark tunnels we may face, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and his name is Jesus. And in that, we have a great hope. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 16. John 16. John 16, verse 33. And it says this, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Over the next few minutes, I just wanna break apart this scripture as it relates to us with hope in our lives and this great light that we have hope in. You see, the first part of that scripture says, I have told you all of this. I have told you all of this. The, the all of this that Jesus was referring to was a previous conversations that he had had with the people that were there with him in that moment. 
conversations that we as Christ followers are very familiar with. Uh, things like, I am the vine and you are the branches. Jesus had a whole conversation about how he was the vine and we were the branches and apart from him, we could do nothing. That he was our source. Conversations like, he picked us before we picked him. That, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were out wandering, we were trying to navigate through life and, and we were relying on other things and, and picking other things, Christ picked us. He's having conversations like that, I believe, because the foundation of hope begins with an understanding of who Jesus is. The very beginning of our hope starts with an understanding of who Jesus is. It's an understanding of who is in your corner, who it is that has your back. The very beginning of our faith starts right there. You see, this summer I had the incredible privilege of going with our kids pastors to kids camp. Now, I don't have elementary age kids, so this was a brand new experience for me. I uh, did a lot of observation. Um, I, ob I observed some very interesting things. And uh, I observed some very insightful things. And, uh, and one of those observations was that kids this age, uh, that elementary age group of kids, they are full of wonder and awe. They are full of imagination and wonder. And you can get up in front of a group of elementary age kids and you can say, there is a God who created everything that you can see. He created the stars. He created the earth. He created our families. He created everything that we can see and he chooses to love us. And they are full of wonder and awe about a God who chooses to love them. You can tell them, you know what? He not only created everything we can see, but everything we can't see. He created the wind, the, the air that we breathe, and he chooses to love us. And what you find, and what I found that week at camp, was a group of elementary age kids that were so full of wonder and awe about a God who was so in love with them. They were so full of wonder and awe about a Jesus that was in their corner. The foundation of their hope began with understanding who Jesus was. And you see, for us as adults, somewhere along the line, maybe for some of us in here, it was our own success. We, we started to grow up and, and learn the things that we were good at. And we learned the things that we were gifted in and talented in and the things that made us successful. And we started to put our wonder and awe in our own giftings and in our own successes. Or, or maybe it's the failures and, and the bad decisions and the, the things that have happened to us. And we think, you know what, my own mistakes have separated me. And is God really big enough to kind of bridge that gap? We put our wonder and awe in our mistakes. And I think about these elementary kids who have this wonder and awe in who Jesus is. You see, the, our knowledge of who is in our corner is the foundation of our hope. It's what starts our hope, knowing that Jesus, the God who created everything that we can see and everything we can't see, chooses to love us, that he picked us, that he was our source. That's who's in our corner. You see, the next piece of this scripture says that you may have peace in me. 
I've said all of this that you may have peace in me. See, that's an ownership thing. It's taking ownership of who Jesus is. So I believe that when you combine knowledge with belief, it produces hope. That when you combine a knowledge of who Jesus is with the belief of who Jesus is, it produces hope in your life. It's going from the idea of not just knowing, but believing that Jesus is not limited by your past for your future. He doesn't limit your, limit your future by your past, that it produces hope in your life. Knowing that no matter what may have happened in your past, that God still has a plan, that he still has a purpose, that he still plans for you to prosper. He still has good intentions in mind for you. It produces hope in our life. When we move from a, from a place of just knowing it, but believing it, believing that he has his, our best interest in mind, that he, our future isn't limited by our past. It, it's moving from a place of not just knowing, but believing that God can take the worst scenario in our minds and use it for eternal good. That he can take those moments in our lives that we find ourselves and we say, this is the worst possible scenario and he can use it for eternal good. You know, I find myself guilty of this all the time. But when I read the Bible, sometimes I look at people like Moses. I I look at him like a superhero. Like he wasn't this real human that had decisions he had to make, but I view him sometimes as a superhero, that he was like standing in front of this, this Red Sea and, and he just had this miraculous power to believe that the sea was gonna part. You see, for us, we, we know what happens a few verses later. We know that he puts it, his staff down and then the sea parts. But for Moses, before it ever did, he had a decision to make. He had a faith choice to make. I think about the cross, and I think about what the outsiders must have thought. People like Zacchaeus, or people that that Jesus had come and he had laid hands on, and they had been healed and delivered and set free. Zacchaeus, who Jesus had spoke life into, and it changed his life. I wonder what they were thinking there at the foot of the cross when they saw this individual who said he was the son of God that was dying on a cross. I wonder what it must have been like to be there and think, this is, this is what you promise? This is how this is gonna go down? This is, I thought you said, I thought that, I thought that you were gonna come and I can't imagine what they must have felt like. That to them would have been the worst possible scenario. Yet for us, we know thousands of years later that God took what they thought to be the worst possible scenario and used it for eternal good. You see, when we understand and believe, not just know, but believe that God can take whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever dark tunnel you feel like is as long as it could be the worst possible scenario, and he can use it for eternal good, it produces a hope in our lives. It produces hope. You see, the next part of this verse says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Understanding your reality activates hope. Understanding your current reality 
activates hope in your life. You see, growing up in church, I, um, there was always two types of people for me. There was this, the Sister Sallies of the world who you would go up to and you would say, hey, how are you doing? And they'd be like, oh, my life is perfect, honey. It is just awesome. I've got everything together. Oh my goodness, my family, they all love each other. Uh, everybody's going to heaven. Uh, it is just awesome. I mean, just their life was just perfect. And then on the other aspect of things, you have what I like to call extra grace required. Um, and we all know those people. So, uh, you know, you kind of see them coming and you sidestep and you're like, Jesus name, I pray for your problems. I already know them. You know what I mean? Like those people that you see and you're like, hey, how are you doing? And they're like, oh, the sky is falling. Woe is me, my husband this, my kids this, my family, my finances. The doctors done told me this. And you're just like, I'll pray for you in Jesus' name, and then you're just like, you move on, right? Those extra grace required people. So you have the Sister Sallies of the world, and then you have the extra grace required, and I believe that somewhere right in the middle is where faith is, where hope is activated. That when you come to an understanding of your current reality, that yes, in this world, there will be trials and sorrows. On this earth, there will be trouble, the Bible says. It's very clear. And this isn't the kind of trouble like I lost my keys again or the dog ran away, but like earth shattering, life changing, faith shaking troubles. There will be troubles. When we come to an understanding of our current reality, of what's really happening in our life, it activates hope. You see, there's a story in the Bible, uh, in the Gospels, you see it illustrated, where Jesus comes riding into the city and the people are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, this was one of my favorite things in an Easter play. When I was in uh, high school and then even into college, the home church that I was a part of, they put on an Easter production every year. And uh, this was like, no, just standard Easter production. This was like live animals um, and just they went all out for this Easter production. And um, this particular scene, Jesus, or the actor Jesus, came riding in on a donkey with people in front of him shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. So this one particular year, there was these, uh, a couple of little boys that were leading the way. And, um, and I remember pulling them aside and saying, hey, listen, Buster, who was the donkey's name, was known to get a little crazy. Okay, uh, like in particular, one year he came trotting slash running slash whatever you want to call it down the center aisle and into the orchestra pit um, and didn't stop and just went straight into the orchestra pit and Jesus's beard was coming off a little bit. And, you know, at that point they said, well, Jesus is going to have to grow a beard if he wants to be Jesus. Okay, so like anyways, here comes Buster running down the aisle into the orchestra pit. So I get these little boys and I say, listen. Buster is known to be a little crazy. So what you need to do is when you're coming in with the palm branches and you're saying Hosanna, you need to make sure that you leave a little space in between you and Buster because you just want to make sure, you know, that you're all right. So the production happens and we're on stage and we get to that scene and all of a sudden here are these little boys and they open the doors and here they, and they are sprinting. Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're like running all the way to the stage. They get to the stage and they're like, whew, like, whew, we made it past Buster. He didn't get us, you know, like this, this whole idea. And what you find in the scripture there is when it says Hosanna, it has an exclamation point with it. 
And I think punctuation is very important when you're reading the scriptures. These individuals weren't standing there with palm branches going, Hosanna, he's here, Hosanna. Like that wasn't their, their, their action. As the scripture portrays it, they were much more like those little boys. Hosanna, Hosanna, they were excited. They, because you see, Hosanna means please save or save now. You see, they understood their current reality. They were under Roman oppression and not just like pay a few more taxes, but physical and mental abusive oppression. And they understood and saw a great light in the fact of who Jesus was. Now they had a separate idea of how he was going to do what he was going to do, but they saw a great light and they, they proclaimed Hosanna, Hosanna, please save, save us now. They understood their current reality. They understood where they were and what was going on. They understood the dark tunnel that they were in and it activated hope in their life. You see, when we understand our current reality, it shouldn't activate worry. It shouldn't activate doubt or, or anxiety, but it should activate hope. It should activate hope in our lives when we understand what our current reality is. See, the last point in this scripture, it says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. But take heart, I have said all of this that you may have peace in me, that in this world there will be trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, expectation sustains hope. Expectation in our lives sustains hope. By virtue of definition, you cannot have hope without expectation. You cannot have hope without the idea that God will show up and that he does show up. You see, we know the end. We know the end. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. When we are in our darkest tunnels, we have an expectation and a knowledge that the light of the end of the tunnel, this great light that is Jesus Christ, will not fade, that he will not leave us, that he will not give up on us. It is an expectation, a confidence in knowing that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is. It's an expectation in knowing that Jesus has not, will not, and does not ever change. The God that we serve does not change. His, his promises are yes and amen. You see, Malachi says, God says, I change not. You see, our God is faithful. That light at the end of the tunnel will not give up on you, so don't give up on God. That light at the end of the tunnel will not fade. He is our great hope, and in that hope, it will anchor our soul. You see, Jesus is this light that promises to be closer than a brother, the Bible says. The Bible says that our hope is secure, that our hope will not put us to shame. That Jesus, our great light, never changes. That he doesn't fail. You see, it is impossible for God to fail. He is our great light and that expectation that expectation sustains us through what may feel like your darkest hour. If you can but just see that light at the end of the tunnel that promises never to leave, never to give up on you. 
and never fail. You see, his promises do not waver. His name is higher and greater than any dark tunnel or situation you may be facing. His light is there for you and it produces hope in our lives. You see, our God does not change. He was there for you then, he'll be there for you now, and he'll be there for you in the future. Because in this world, there will be troubles, but our God, my God, your God, the God that we serve does not change. You see, one of my favorite verses is in Hebrews 6, 17 through 19. And it says this, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we have those who have fled to him for refuge can find a great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. We have a strong and trustworthy hope and an anchor that when winds and waves come our way, sustains us. You see, hope means more than a vague wish that something will happen. It's a sure and confident expectation in God's future faithfulness. You see, hope is more than a wish. Hope is more than some wish that we have that something will happen. But hope, hope is a strong and confident expectation in God's future faithfulness. It's a strong and confident expectation in a God who does not fail. Even when we have found ourselves to be unfaithful to him, he is still faithful. A hope, our hope, my hope and your hope is in a God who doesn't fail. It's a confident and sure expectation in God's future faithfulness. You see, we have this great light. We have this light that we put our confidence and trust in to know that it can see us through. It's a hope that anchors our soul. You see, this isn't some rhetoric that feels good or, or, or statements that you're like, yeah, that, that sounds good, but this is a reality. This is who our God is, that this is who he promised to be and his promise and his oath, they do not change because God cannot and will not lie. He is faithful. He is faithful and he is this great light this great light that produces a hope in us. So whatever it is you may be walking through, maybe you're walking through those troubles that the Bible talks about. I encourage you to be reminded today that we have this hope. We have an unwavering, unchanging light that produces hope in us. I know there may be some people in here that you're way at the very beginning 
and you say, you know what, Noel, I don't know what's happened, but somewhere in my walk, somewhere in my life, I have stepped away from the wonder and awe of who Jesus is. I've lost the wonder and all and I've placed it in other places or maybe you had a relationship with Jesus and you've just kind of taken a few detours. Can I tell you today that he is your light, that he is your hope, that we can't go too far or, or we can't mess up enough that Jesus is not there waiting to take us in, that he is our hope. And today, those of you that may be walking through that difficult season in your life, can I just encourage you that God's word is not changing, that his promises are yes and amen, and that he is a faithful, true, just God. He is a light that does not give up on you no matter how long it takes to get through what you feel like is your darkest hour, that he is a light at the end of your tunnel. Here in a moment, I'm gonna say a prayer. And for those of you that you find yourself at the beginning of the journey, or maybe you've kind of taken a detour, in a moment, I'm gonna pray and I, I encourage you to have a genuine, real conversation with God. The Bible says that when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that He is who the Bible says that He is, that that's when this relationship starts. And so today when I pray, I encourage you, maybe for the first time ever, to have a genuine conversation with God to really confess with your mouth what's going on in your world and believe that there's a God who can show up right in the midst of it. And that's when this relationship begins with him. And for the rest of us, I'm just gonna pray that we'd be encouraged to know that there is a light that produces hope in our lives. Let's pray today. God, we just thank you so much that while we were in our wandering, God, that while we were trying to navigate life, that you picked us. God, that there is no gap big enough that you won't go to get us, Jesus. God, that you picked us. So those people that are having real genuine conversations right now, God, I pray that your presence would surround them. I pray that your presence would captivate them, God. God, I pray you'd remind them of how real, true, and genuine you are. And God, for those of us in this room or at the West Campus or online, God, that would find ourselves in what we feel like is our darkest tunnel. God, that we would be reminded that you are this great light. And in this light, we can find hope, a hope that when wind and waves toss us around, God, it's a hope that it anchors our soul and it anchors our life. God, I thank you that you don't give up on us and that you are a great light for our lives. And in that we find great hope. It's in your mighty name I pray, amen.